Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening. And also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers, Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic, Damien Keller, binaural production engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and if you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Tessa B. Dick, and she is the wife of Philip Dick, who wrote the novel A Scanner Darkly. He also inspires such films as Blade Runner and Total Recall. And she is here to talk a little bit about mind control and whatever else uh, comes up. Thank you for coming on today, Tessa. Well, I remember to unmute myself now. <laughs> it's uh, a pleasure to be here, but I'm hearing a lot of static on your end. Hmm. I don't hear it. It's uh, your actual sound, not an additional audio. I don't know. Huh. Well, I hope it doesn't show up on the recording. It shouldn't. If I'm not hearing it through my headphones, it won't show up. Yeah. Well, I'm using external speakers that generally work quite well. You hmm. know, the computer audio sucks. It's a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... It's a lovely day here in the mountains, but a little on the warm side. Yeah, it's about 95 where I'm at in Alabama. Okay, I'm in Southern California, so down the hill it's probably 100, but up here it is about 85. Well, and we don't have a lot of humidity here. Oh, yeah, we got tons of humidity. today. <laughs> it's trying to rain, but it keeps failing. Every day the sky clouds up and then it blows away. Hmm. Interesting. August monsoons. Yeah. We get monsoons in August. Yeah. We anyway. Just, we, we get rain every day, period. Well, you're, well, you're close to the Caribbean. Yeah. The warm waters. The Pacific is... Cold. <laughs> Very cold. So anyway, we don't get a lot of rain here. Yeah, we get a lot. Um, so uh, what got you? How did you meet Philp? And what what happened? Like what what has um, I? A friend of my mother had dumped Phil. But he was being clingy. So she wanted someone else to meet him and take up with him. She wanted my mother to meet him. But mom just didn't want to go to their, it was a 4th of July beach party. And I was bored, so I overheard the conversation and offered to go. And I did go. And we just 
hit it off immediately. Wow. Except he did try to get me drunk. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, serving up Jack Daniels and Coke. That's Coca-Cola, not the drug. <laughs> and uh, I asked him to make mine weak because I'm not much of a drinker. Well, he made it extra strong. So I poured it out on the lawn. And then he was mad at me for wasting it. <laughs> Taught him a lesson. <laughs> I took one sip and just, oh my, it was strong. Wow. Um, so, so at that time, like, was he already writing and being published and famous? Well, yeah, I was his fifth wife. <laughs> he was not writing at the time. He he was very um, damaged, injured, mostly psychologically. Hmm. How, but, how, how did uh, he end up damaged psychologically? Well, not only uh, four divorces. Well, what, one, I think, might have been an annulment, the first one. But um, I didn't know all that. I was told he was divorced, but even that divorce was not final. But after his fourth wife, Nancy, left him, Phil was gang-stalked by an organized group. And I suspect they were part of Nixon's Drug Enforcement Administration. Hmm. He had received a phone call, I think in 69, from uh, John Lennon's hotel room at the Bed Inn for Peace. And he talked to John Lennon and um, Dr. Timothy Leary. And they just, it was innocent. They just told him they were fans of his work. And Phil always claimed that the Beatles song, Paperback Writer, was about him. He claimed that that's what John Lennon told him. Wow. Well, then scoot forward to late 1970, and Timothy Leary escapes from prison where he was serving a term for a drug conviction. And uh, President Nixon called him the most dangerous man in America, Leary. Right. And they couldn't find him because, of course, he'd gone off to Europe to tour and become a celebrity. But um, they must have been frantic to find Leary when he escaped. And here's this phone record from John Lennon's hotel room showing a call to this writer in Northern California not too far from the prison where they'd been holding Leary. Ah. So they probably suspected that he was involved, and he wasn't. But, okay. you know, once you're under suspicion, they don't let go. Hmm. So what was his relationship with Timothy Leary? None at all, just that one phone call. Hmm. Interesting. Um, his friend, Ray Nelson, was 
friend from high school who's also an author actually had some involvement with the LSD experiments at UCLA. Right. Which was all above board and legal before Leary started advocating the use of LSD in psychiatry. Anyway, um, Ray Nelson managed to get some LSD and allow Phil to try it. He did that twice, but um, Phil himself really had no knowledge of Leary, hmm. except what he'd read in the papers or seen on the news on TV. So then what did when Nixon it do? Was early 70, it was early 1971 when Phil's problems began. Nixon started the war on drugs and formed the Drug Enforcement Administration. It didn't exist before Nixon. Wow. So, so does that mean, was Nixon not just responsible for the war on drugs, but is he responsible also for the production and the distribution of the drugs also? Well, I know the CIA was, but I don't think any president has control over the CIA. Kennedy tried to tear the CIA apart and they killed him. Yeah. Well, someone killed him. Hmm. I, I suspect in the case of Kennedy, they all did it. There were, there was an attempt on Kennedy in Florida that was scrapped when Kennedy's parade route was changed. And there were two attempts, I think in Chicago, one of the, those big cities, Chicago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Chicago. And those, of course, were before Dallas. I know there was other attempts prior to. I do know that there was a lot of reasons why people wanted him dead. Oh, yeah. A lot of reasons. And I, I was too young to really understand the thing about Leary. Of course, I knew about Kennedy because all the adults around me had been discussing it since it happened. What, 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 what made Leary so dangerous? I mean, all he did was suggest <laughs> people using hallucinogens. Well, it's still a problem now. Doctors are afraid to prescribe enough pain medication for patients who truly need it because the government will go after the doctors. Mm -hmm. So people get heroin off the streets. If they made those drugs legal and easy to get, the cartels couldn't make any money off the street drugs. Right. And... You know, I can't prove it, but I believe that the CIA is behind most of the drug trafficking. I agree. I mean, they actually know because I think there was a plane that crashed uh, when it was, I think it was the early 2000s that was supposedly a CIA plane and it was filled with cocaine. I think that was in Central America. Mm-hmm. Not Panama, but a close-by country. Yeah. Well, that's just the one we've heard about. Right. 
But but what did you think that when Kennedy? Go ahead. Oh, Kennedy also messed up the Bay of Pigs for the CIA, and they tried to invade Cuba, and Kennedy decided not to send air support. Yeah, that was a bad mistake. Yeah. But I wonder. I wonder what it is about the specifically Timothy Leary and the hallucinogenics. I wonder if one of the reasons they didn't like him is because they were concerned about people's consciousness being raised through the use of those type of drugs. I think anything that um, encourages people to uh, break away from the programming is dangerous to the state. Our school children are taught to line up and march, sit still and be quiet, and follow all the rules. Oh, and when I was in school, I was a tattletale. I'd tell the teacher what someone did. (laughs) I don't do that anymore. I just, if I see something that, eh, it's really not my business and no one's really hurt, I didn't see it. I don't know anything. Right. Because... I found out the hard way when I witnessed some gang violence. The police remember that they've seen you before, but they don't remember that you were just a witness or even a victim. So they suspect you of any crime that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, so what do you think? You mentioned uh, the you know, they wanted the children to just get in line and follow the program. What do you think the program is? I don't think the elite even know. Pete, oh, gotta mute that gadget. It's making noise. I don't think the elite even know what they want, except they want to be in power. They want strict obedience. It won't. I hate these gadgets sometimes. Come on, turn the sound off. That's a good gadget. <laughs> I got my first, well, I didn't even buy the computer, but I first used one because I had to for work. Right. And then they told me I had to be on the internet. That was dial-up from A.O. Hell and Earth Stink. (laughs) I remember those. Yep. Anyway, um, I don't think they really know except they want to be in charge, give orders, and people are supposed to obey as if they were robots. But I don't think they understand that robots are not that obedient. Self-driving cars are a great example. They've been killing people. The last one I heard about, the poor guy, his car caught on fire, all electric. Mm-hmm. He couldn't open the window or the door to get out because the battery had exploded. Maybe the car... Uh, he did eventually get out, but, <clears throat> you know, I doubt that I could have forced... You know, 
the darn thing open or broken a window. Yeah. I'd be toast, literally. <laughs> Me too. More than one self-driving car has run into a tree or worse, hit a pedestrian. Right. Do, do you think People that... Like, go ahead. Oh, do you think like that's part of what they want is us being completely dependent on this technology? I don't know. It seems like it. But um, I'm more convinced every day that they just want to get rid of most of us and just have enough working class people to be their servants because they don't trust the robots either. At least some of them. We don't even know who these people are. The, the ones we see are not in charge. Right. Trump tried to be in charge. Didn't work. Biden doesn't even try. Right. You know, hmm. and Obama was all public relations and no substance. Right. Let's see. And oh God, both Bushes were disasters. Got us into wars we had no business <laughs> being in. Mm -hmm. At least in Vietnam, they had originally asked us for help when the French left their colony in in the um, south. Oh, gosh. Now I forgot what it, that area was called. Anyway, south of China. Mm -hmm. He left Vietnam. Uh, the ones in the south asked us to help because they were being invaded. But it just turned into a, a just horrible um, carnage. Almost as bad as Korea. Yeah. And it got a lot more press than Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure did. My um, my dad was drafted into Korea, but he uh, had a heart issue, so he didn't have to go. Kind of locked out. Uh, my dad had a child and another one on the way, so they didn't take him. But he was 1A. Hmm. And then in Vietnam, uh, the one brother had a medical problem and the other just uh, never got called up when Nixon started that lottery. They never called his number. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Doing it by a lottery. Yeah. Look at what the lottery is now. <clears throat> Do you know that? Two people in California won a million dollars each just for getting that shot for COVID. Yeah, I know some states have been doing that. But a million dollars? Mm -hmm. And yet our roads are full of potholes. You can tell when you leave California just by the sound of your tires on the road. <coughs> Mm. Sorry about that. Smoker's hack. <laughs> I'm not giving up smoking. It's the only vice I have. Uh, mine's coffee. Oh, oh, well, I drink coffee, but that isn't a vice. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I just read some scientific studies are showing that coffee 
improves your memory. And I need to re improve my memory. Me too. I finally remembered what they call that area, Vietnam and surrounding places. It's Southeast Asia. Okay. Only took five minutes. <laughs> so, so, what what was it? Um, what is the connection between you, Philp, and the mind control stuff? Oh, I experienced some of this when I was a child, and I thought I'd imagined it, but. My older brother remembers students from UCLA coming to our grade school, our grammar school, and studying a few children from each grade. And that, um, you know, I didn't ask him about it till we were in our 40s. <laughs> I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. And part of the study was in the clear and open, it was even published in Scientific American, and it was about the uh, relationship between self-esteem and leadership. I, I do remember throwing a beanbag at a box. They had three boxes at different distances, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I remember being taught to do something that had to be remote viewing before we had a name for it. They were trying to see if we were psychic. How are you doing that? Well, just various tests, things like tell us what's in John's pocket, what's behind the curtain, and even what's in the vault at the bank downtown. And I don't exactly remember being taught how to do it, but um, I remember when mom started this parlor game on a rainy day, they'd write three names on slips of paper, and one person would go in the other room, and then the ones who stayed would pick one of the three names, and then I'd have to guess which one they'd chosen. And I, I knew it, it could be done, and I knew that I could do it. And I did, every time. Wow. So, My so brother you... was wrong every time, and I was <laughs> right every time. <laughs> so, so do they continue to monitor after these initial experiments that you had, like in grade school? Well, it was a longitudinal study. And the weird thing was that our parents knew nothing about it. They should have been asked to sign a release form, but they were never asked and never told. But yeah, they apparently followed me into high school. And then I remember being told they were dropping me from the program. Of course, they could have been lying, but I don't remember anything happening since then. Hmm. So it, it sounds like, um, to me, like a, a, psych, a, a study on psychic abilities is what they were trying to do. A little bit like, um, oh, like, like Project Stargate. Could be. 
but there were times when I was hypnotized and possibly drugged as a young child, you know, a preteen. But I, these memories started popping up, you know, I, I tried to meditate and I'd remember things and I'd think, no, I just imagined that, you know, because it didn't seem real or possible. And yet just enough of those were verifiable, like with that published article about the study, right. that I wonder how much of the weirdness was real. And then a separate thing, the UFO that I saw, I always thought I'd imagined it or dreamed it until my brother just mentioned in conversation seeing a big glowing red ball in the sky coming down toward us. Now, I was six years old at the time. He was nine. But I had never mentioned it because I thought it was just my imagination. And then, since he remembered it, I tried to find more information, and I found a book titled UFOs Over California just a few months ago. It's by Preston Dennett. I know Preston well. Yeah, he has books like uh, UFOs Over Virginia and other states. I don't think he's done all 50 just yet. (laughs) But it has a whole chapter on the Red Bluff incident And those things were seen all over California and down into Baja by thousands of people. And it um, went on sporadically for over a year. Hmm. So there's one I was sure I'd imagined it, and it's real. Wow. What else is real? Yeah, like, 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 so so what are some of the other memories that have come back to you other than the, the UFO? Well, uh, there's um, some kind of space program, and they said I wasn't physically fit enough for that. At the time, I would have loved to go out into space on a ship, but not anymore. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not sure that that's real. But they did send me to a class to study how the engines worked. And I don't remember all the details, but it had something to do with rotation. And I was thinking, you know, the gears have to mesh and turn each other. And this was something where, no, they don't touch each other. They just spin in proximity to each other. Really weird. Hmm. So do you think anyway, it was some type of anti-gravity that they were using? Well, I didn't know what to think at the time, but since I've uh, watched a few videos where Joseph P. Farrell talks about the Nazi bell, right. I'm beginning to think so. Um, I should buy his book about it. I think it's called Roswell and the Reich. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the Nazi bell, all it did was levitate, but it involved rotating um, 
basically gears, but they didn't touch each other. And they were inside a fluid, um, some kind of viscous fluid. And the whole device was shaped kind of like a bell, hence the term Nazi bell. The Nazis were experimenting with something like that. I don't think they got very far. Right. So the U.S. the U.S. then was doing the same thing. Oh, no doubt. All these things that we're told they're just uh, you know conspiracy theories and crackpot ideas. We don't get to know about real technology that the military has until it's at least twenty years old. Now I'm smoking too much, but oh well. It's only another hour. <laughs> uh, so lately, mm -hmm. you know, all these things I thought were just woo-woo fantasy are, are turning out to be real, and that disturbs me. So what type of things are, are we talking about that where you think were woo-woo that are coming out to be real? Well, like... Um, UFOs and secretly studying children for psychic powers. And of course, the stuff that happened to Phil. You know, he was hearing voices after an oral surgery. Mm -hmm. And I figured at first it must be the drugs. First, they put him to sleep for the surgery. And mm -hmm. second, they sent him home with some powerful pain meds called Percodan, which is a precursor to Vicodin and oh, whatever they have now. Yeah. The names change, but they're all based <laughs> on opium. Thing. Yeah, I can't take those, that type of pain pill. It doesn't work, and it makes me vomit. Ugh. So I can't win. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with aspirin. So what was it? Like, what, what kind of voices was he hearing? And did he ever mention what they were well, saying? They were, oh, all the time. He couldn't stop talking about it. They were At first, they were telling him to kill himself. And the weird thing was, he heard it coming over the radio that we kept at our bedside. And it was playing soft popular music. But he asked me to turn it off, so I did. And he still heard the radio. It wouldn't turn off. And I unplugged it. It didn't have batteries. It was not that kind of radio. It kept playing the music, but he was hearing it telling him to die. So I took it out to the living room and then shut the bedroom door so we wouldn't hear it. Now, I know that radios and even television sets can turn on if there's a strong radio or microwave radiation in the room. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't explain why it told him to kill himself. Hmm. Eventually, though, he did hear another voice telling him that he was a good person who deserved to live. <laughs> And then he, you know, his novel Dallas is based on a real experience in which a voice, a, a female voice that sounded to him like 
artificial intelligence told Silva that it, she was on a satellite in Earth orbit. And at the time, we had never heard of the Black Knight satellite that's supposedly in polar orbit. But maybe that's what it was. I'm not sure that the Black Knight satellite is real or just a, one of those conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Wow. But he wrote three novels involving this Vallis satellite. Mm. And people who heard him talking or read the novels assumed that he was talking about his real experience when he was really unfolding the plot of his next novel. But a great deal of what's in them did really happen. It, it was, it went on for some time. I guess it really kept going on until he died. Hmm. So, so do you think that the what, what he was hearing so it was coming from that satellite. Um, do you have well, any, any idea who would be behind that satellite and sending those kind of messages to him? All I know is the uh, theories that are out there that this satellite is of alien origin and it's trying to free us from oppression by the elites. I don't know how it's supposed to do that. But it does supposedly transmit over radio waves in information. But um, during the Iraq war, I think the one under Bush daddy, HW. Um, no, I take it back. It was the sun right after 9-11. The CIA was boasting that they used the voice of God technology to transmit words to the heads, the brains of Iraqi soldiers and tell them that God wanted them to lay down their weapons. Yes, I've heard of that. They even tried, they were doing tests with that in Times Square, New York for a while. They were using like these Really? Sort of like these parabolic dishes, and these guys would be sitting on top of the buildings and point them at people and try to plant thoughts inside those people's heads, and then they would see if they responded to it. Wow. Well, I think they must have had some primitive form of that and tried it out on Phil, maybe just to experiment, or maybe because of that kerfuffle with Dr. Leary and it might be really closely tied to his oral surgery. I mean, he was asleep for it. He didn't know what they did, but they could have implanted a receiver in his jaw after they pulled the tooth. I have heard of that too. Uh, in fact, I, I've heard about alien abduction stories where they'll drill something into a tooth. Or some, well, like Whitley Strieber says he has one in his ear. Mm -hmm. People have had them removed from their leg muscles and their bellies. And they do seem to be weird things that no one can 
explain how that got into their bodies. Mm-hmm. It isn't as if they stepped on something. Yeah. And, and apparently, like, the new technology, as soon as it's removed, it starts to dissolve. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, was, I was talking to Kathleen Martin about it a couple of days ago, about how they would take these implants out, and they start dissolving. So now what they will try to do is take them out, put them in the person's blood so the implant still thinks it's in the body. But even that's not working anymore. Well, there was a doctor named Lear, mm-hmm. not the jet propulsion guy. <laughs> not like Lear Jets. Anyway, uh, I think he's passed away, but he had several implants tested in laboratories to find out what kind of metal they were made of. So those probably did not dissolve. That must be something new. Yeah. Those are like the old technology implants. But I, I wonder, though, if it is these implants are coming from aliens or are they coming from government or a combination of both? Well, I think we are the aliens. It's highly likely that our ancient ancestors colonized nearby planets and when that one blew up and formed the asteroid belt, they came back. That is very possible. One of the things that always makes me wonder is the reason why human beings stand upright, like we're bipedal, and we're the only species on the planet that does stands up on two legs, and Earth's gravity is not exactly the best gravity for our our bodies. No, that's why our bellies sag. Our muscles are designed to hold our bellies flat when we're on all fours. There are other animals that can go around on two legs, but yeah. they don't make a habit of it. Except maybe the bonobos, that, mm-hmm. that weird subset of chimps. Anyway, um, the thing is, we are terribly poorly adapted to our environment on this planet. We might not be the only animal that uses tools, or even the only one that makes tools, but we are the only species that cannot survive without tools. Hmm. I have another guest on sometimes. Um, his name is Dr. Richard Allen Miller. And he says that humans are not the um, most intelligent species on the planet. He says that whales and octopus and dolphins are actually smarter than us. Well, that gets into what kind of intelligence. (laughs) I'm sure they aren't building spaceships or even automobiles, (laughs) but... Yeah, they are very intelligent. Yeah. Or is this possible they're so intelligent they don't need those things? I don't know. I think a life of swimming around eating krill would not appeal to me. No. But what what if that's not all they're doing? Maybe they're multidimensional. <laughs> well, there is that Star Trek movie with the whales. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorite Star Trek movies. Well, it's kind of 
a reach to have the alien satellite destroy the Earth just because they couldn't find the whales. But, oh well. <laughs> it isn't as bad as the plot holes in the new Blade Runner movie. I, I watched it several times and I kept shouting, Continuity! <laughs> I've never so seen many. The, I've never seen the new one. I used to watch the. I had the original one with um, Har, you know, Harrison Ford in it. Harrison Ford. Yeah, I had that yeah. one on DVD. Well, Rutger Hauer made that film with his monologue at the end, and he wrote most of his monologue hmm. himself. I'm I'm kind of sad that I never got to meet Rutger Hauer. Yeah, yeah um, Harrison Ford was the right actor for that part. But I still like him better as Indiana Jones. <laughs> More humor. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the new one is three hours long, and it should have been cut down to two. The director, Denis Villeneuve, is a French-Canadian, and he's an artiste. And he's wonderful, but he was not the right director for that movie. Hmm. If I never see another dusky orange landscape again, I'll be, I'll be happy. <laughs> so I guess you don't want to see any more stuff about Mars. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually know the thing that, 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 that Philip wrote too, right? It was Total Recall, which was about Mars. Oh, yeah. And that movie is really nothing like the story. I think they just wanted to toss some money at Phil. That and Minority Report. Mm -hmm. Good movies, but not even attempting to be faithful to the story. Hmm. Phil's Minority Report had a man, an agent, told that he was going to assassinate a, a top general. And at the end, he has to decide whether to make that prediction come true. Right. Because he, he did not get caught and he was not locked up to prevent the crime. Hmm. There's definitely sort of like a common... You didn't have anything about changing your eyeballs. Uh-huh. Hmm? <laughs> but there is a common theme in his movies, though, sort of about the government trying to control people. Oh, yeah. Either the government or just shadowy organizations that we know nothing about. He was told in 71 by a guy who befriended him that um, he, this guy, Hal, belonged to a an organization so secret that even the CIA didn't know about them. And he wanted to recruit Phil to join it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and did Phil, Phil said join? No. 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 So they told him, well, then, uh, you know, I won't do it personally, but someone will kill you and replace you with a double. Is that what happened? No. But it almost happened. Well, Phil was living in Northern California at the time. And he 
was a guest of honor at a convention in Vancouver, British Columbia. And he decided to stay on after the convention because he was afraid to go home. He put his house up for sale and got a friend to store all his belongings. And he was planning never to come back. But then, and, and his memories in Vancouver were kind of blank. He wasn't sure where he'd been or what he'd done until he ended up in a drug rehab facility. But eventually, during his visions in 73, it came back to him in bits and pieces. He had been, well, he had a headache, so he was heading to the pharmacy on foot to get some aspirin. And the next thing he knew, he was sitting on the floor of his apartment and he had swallowed an entire bottle of sleeping pills with no memory of it, just walking down the street and then waking up in his apartment. And eventually he recalled that he'd been pulled off the street by two men in black suits and shoved into the back of a black limousine and they drove him around Vancouver at night for several hours. So uh, they must have told him to kill himself and given him the pills. And he almost died, but he woke up and called, got on the phone and called for help. Mm -hmm. So wow. uh, he did survive, but... There he was in Canada with no health insurance and no money. The only place that would take him was the drug rehab place. And from there, rather than go home to Northern California, he came down to Southern California because a university professor down there had invited him and you know, assured him he'd have a place to live and you know, nothing bad would happen to him. Was he concerned for his life after that? Oh, always. When you, you know someone's after you, but you don't know who it is or why. I mean, between the two of us, we never figured out that it had a connection to that phone call from Dr. Leary. I've stumbled across that more recently. And, and um, it forms a part of the book I'm working on, but it's primarily to explain his massive 10,000-page exegesis, which is really an exploration of the visions he had. Wow. What, what, was, what were some of the visions that he had? Um talking to people who weren't there, but images of, for example, well-known Renaissance philosophers or figures from the Middle Ages who would sit, and he was almost always in bed, and he really was ill, but nobody knew at the time what was wrong. He'd say he had the flu, but he actually had a... a just a, he'd been born with a problem with his pancreas. 
he knew he had ulcers, but he didn't, you know, the doctor never checked either, but Bill probably never described his symptoms properly. He just assumed it was the flu, stomach flu, but he'd be lying in bed awake and either thinking about the next novel or writing notes about it, and a figure would kind of appear and be almost see-through. Figures like uh, Ben Johnson and uh, Spinoza, I'm trying to think of the name, uh, Francis Bacon, who wrote The New Atlantis. Yes. Yeah. And, um, oh, Elizabeth I's wizard, um, memory's shot, the alchemist under Queen Elizabeth I. Oh, um, was it Edward Kelly yeah. or John D? John D. Yeah. Yeah, so Phil kind of explored alchemy for a bit, but he was more into philosophy than chemistry. <laughs> The main thread through all of this was a female figure he called Sophia, uh, God's Holy Wisdom. And he wanted to visit that cathedral in Istanbul, Santa Sophia. Mm -hmm. It's a museum now. But um, he started drawing connections between the pagan gods and this Sophia, and he, he said that Sophia was the same thing as the Torah, the uh, five books of Moses. Right. Who knows? It, it's really long and complicated, but a lot of it's repetitive. I don't have to worry about the image so I can scratch my itches. <laughs> the audience will never see. Nope. Oh, I suffer from dry skin and that includes my head. Wow. Um, so if he was concerned for his, for his life, how about you? Were you ever concerned for your life from being with him and him sharing some of his knowledge with you? thought about it from time to time especially after he died but apparently uh, I don't seem to have human en enemies but I haven't experienced hauntings that were rather disturbing what, what kind Even of hauntings? Even was still alive um, shadow people mostly I'd be either just falling asleep or just waking up and a shadow in the shape of either a person or a big bird of prey would jump on me and land on my belly and then try to pull me out of my body. So I was experiencing my physical body being totally paralyzed. But this energy body doing what my brain told it to do. So I'd be fighting with this other body that was very much like a shadow too, but filled with energy. 
early on it would be like a giant bird of prey digging its claws into my belly and trying to pull me out that way. And then it evolved into a more human shape, just grabbing me by the arms and trying to pull me out. And you know, that could be what they call parasomnia, where you have a dream while you're actually awake. Mm -hmm. Kind of like sleepwalking. Yeah. You don't necessarily get up out of bed. Your, your body isn't supposed to be able to move while you're sleeping. Right. But it's the content of those dreams or whatever they were that makes me suspect that those were not dreams. So I, so I finally put a stop to them. How did you, you do that? Here and there. Well, I'd been just calling on God to save me, and it would work temporarily. So I finally called on Jesus Christ, and I'm not... I, yeah, I'm a Baptist. Once in a while I go to church, but I'm not into that. But at that moment, I truly believed that Jesus was God, and he would put a stop to this, that I was being oppressed by demons, and he could stop it, just like he did in the Bible. And it worked. But once in a while, I do feel the onset of something like that. It's usually a sound in my ears, a buzzing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it feels like there was an earthquake, like the furniture shifted underneath me. Wow. But um, I just cuss it out. I tell it to <laughs> shut up and leave me alone. Wow. And I, I use bad words, too. Uh -huh. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> Do you think that, yep. that these astral beings are some kind of assault from a, a satanic type of uh, influence? Well, it's something with bad intentions. It doesn't quite feel demonic. It, I think it's more just something dimensional. Okay. These... Um, in one particular episode, I was convinced that I'd never get back into my body. I was completely out and that this thing would just go right into my body and take over my life and I'd be shut out. That was probably the worst one. I think these are um, the, the spirits of the dead Nephilim who want to be embodied. I think that's from the book of Enoch. Yeah. The first book that they want, they're hungry and thirsty, but they can't eat or drink. So they want to get into your body to enjoy all kinds of mm -hmm. pleasures. And people tend to call that Epicurean, but Epicurus himself advised moderation. These things want to go wild. Right. Do you it think that, that there's um, possibly a different explanation? Like, um, like everything, one thing, like everything that you're telling me, um, is from what I've heard is very much uh, associated with alien abduction. 
love abductees will have paranormal um, things. They'll have interference from government. Um, and and, and mm-hmm. like everything, everything that you're describing is like, well, um, sounds like some of that. I think the ancient authors described these things as well as they could in terms of their own culture. Mm-hmm. They didn't have spaceships. They didn't have computers. Um, so that's, you know, it, everything we write is colored by our culture. And everything they wrote was colored by their own culture. So um, perhaps these things are demonic. I'm certain that a, an ancient Hebrew would consider it demonic. But what does that mean? That's just a label. If I call it an alien, right. that's just a label. Mm-hmm. But they do seem to be made of energy and not truly physical. The problem with that is that energy and mass are interchangeable. If you blow an atom apart, you get tons of energy. Yes. If you focus energy on a small point, you get an atom. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that takes me to the Big Bang. There was nothing, and suddenly everything burst into existence. And I want to know, where did that come from? I ask that question all the time. Uh, nothing became everything. Sounds an awful lot like God said, let there be light. That is the first thing, according to cosmologists, that came into existence was light. Yes. But then I wonder, is where did God come from? Well, not from this universe. And I wonder if God has a God. Well, yeah. <coughs> that gets into theology, and I'm not... That's not exactly my strong suit. <laughs> Mine either. But I do You're wonder. There. Yeah. Um, so kind of dabbled in Gnosticism, but to the Gnostics, God is this distant being that doesn't care about us and probably doesn't even know we exist. And Phil still believed in an imminent God who... Um, intervenes in our world and does care about us. Right. Right. So even though he sometimes claimed to be a Gnostic, uh, he wasn't, what, with a capital G. Yeah. But both possibilities could exist at the same time, too. There could be a Gnostic Uh God that's sort of neutral, and then his other creations might be like gods that, that actually care about their creations. We don't know. The Gnostic God supposedly created everything, so how could he have a creator? I don't know. He did believe that knowledge could save him, but in the sense of finding out the truth about the world we live in and what really happened to him specifically and personally. Or maybe none of it actually exists anyway. Maybe this is all just a dream. Or a Matrix. Yeah. There's a new show I'm going to have to watch. It's called Loki. I've heard of it. L-O-K-I, the Norse god. Mm-hmm. It's 
it borrows very much from the Matrix, but it does it better. Loki is the trickster god, like the coyote of the American Southwest. Yes. And he uh, breaks the timeline. So they're going to make him fix it. Do you think there is such a thing as time? Well, there's the time that we experience. In many ways, we're slaves to the clock and have been ever since the rise of factories, which replaced cottage industry, where they would work as long as the sun was shining and didn't bother with clocks. Right. That's definitely artificial. I mean, this time of year at 6 a.m., the sun is coming up. Fast forward a few months and it won't come up till 7. It's true. So, yeah. The clock doesn't tell me when the sun will shine. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, um, the Gnostics are onto something, but I think they got their cosmology really messed up. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we are oppressed by archons. Archons in the surface of an evil god. Maybe. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, I just can't bring myself to panic about anything anymore. But I am concerned. Mm -hmm. What is it you're concerned about? I want to know who's in charge and what, how we can kick them out. I don't think it's about Trump or Biden. We can't just bet all our chips on some hero in the White House to fix everything and make it right. That isn't even their job. That's our job. Yes. Every one of us. Now, Trump brought in a little chaos and we needed a little chaos but i think it changed him having that little bit of power even know. though he failed to accomplish very much of what he had planned yeah when it comes to say that power corrupts mm -hmm. yeah oh no i i just wonder like, like with the government like i don't even vote you know I kind of look at it like I agree. Like people are looking for a hero to get them out, uh -huh. but but that's not the way. To, the only I think the only way out yeah. is for people to really free themselves individually, because if they don't, you know, they're just going to continue to listen to people that they're putting in power, and that is not going to help society or give people what they need. We need to find our own answers. In some ways, <laughs> I kind of believe in getting rid of the government, getting rid of money um, and property ownership and everything and sort of let society re go back to a natural type of society. Well, I'm not for giving up property ownership, but... We don't own our property. No, we don't. 
I say that I own my house, but the bank owns most of it, and I have to pay taxes on it every year. Yes. I don't really own it. No, you just rent it. Well, when I rented, uh, yeah, I actually had some more freedom when I was a renter. Well, I had a good landlord. But uh, I, at this point in time, with this economy, I could not rent a room for what this house costs me. Mm -hmm. So it's, in some sense, a trap. I can never leave. It's a good thing I like it, and it isn't haunted. Yeah. You know, I was willing to believe I'd been imagining these nightmares of things jumping on me. Until one day, I had just bought this big heavy hammer at a hardware store. I came in the house and the cats mobbed me. So I put the hammer down on the floor. I didn't want to uh, have the cats knock it down when they hopped up on my desk. So I put it on the floor. Went into the kitchen and started opening cans of cat food. And I heard this big thump in the other room. And I figured the cats knocked something over. What I found was that hammer on the desk with the handle straight up in the air. Wow. Was that in this I house that you live in now? That. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh-uh. And I learned later that the woman across the street was a bruja, a Spanish witch. Right. She didn't like me or my dog. So you she didn't like the color I painted my house or anything. <laughs> she was an angry bruja. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I had dared to tell her she shouldn't feed the wild raccoons. You think and she was messing with you? I think so. The raccoons had a population explosion and there wasn't enough natural food for them. So they were breaking into people's houses. So did you feed them? Oh. When no. I came home from work, I grabbed the garden hose and spray them to get them off my porch so I could go inside. Wow, there was that many? Yeah, there'd be three or four of them at my front door hoping to come in. I had security screen doors on that house so they couldn't just break it down they, and, are, they are kind of cute though yeah but when you feed them i mean she put out six dishes of cat food for them every night you're not helping them eventually animal control will have to come out and take them away and kill them it's sad it's horrible but they have no choice they carry rabies and the plague and other diseases, and they will attack small children and small pets. Hmm. Yeah, they'll eat cats. Not my cat. My cat used to kill the raccoons. <laughs> wow. Smokey was awesome. Yeah, I had a Smokey cat like that. I had, I had a cat that used to chase after children. Big black oh, cat. I had one... I had a little white cat very briefly that she'd hide in the bushes and attack people who walked by on the sidewalk. <laughs> I I had to uh, 
take her to the shelter, and I couldn't catch her to do it. My older brother grabbed her and put her in a cage, and his arms were shredded from her claws. There was something wrong with that cat. My sister gave her to me because she couldn't handle the cat. I I have a dog now that bites me all the time. Does he draw blood? Sure. Mm. But I still love him. He's a good dog. My cat claws me affectionately. I'm still... She's almost two years old. I'm still working on that. But she's half bobcat. Wow. Hybrid. We have a lot of those up here because the bobcats will breed with house cats. They have normal offspring. That's pretty cool. We have bobcats where I live, but I've never seen a hybrid. Oh, no. There are some people who actually breed them and sell them. Yeah. I've, I bought a cat once. Phil's favorite cat died. Pinky. Which was short for Pinkerton, the detective. <laughs> and he was just never going to have a cat again. Yeah, that's terrible so about Pinky. Yeah, there's a lot about Pinky. Well, my sister and I went to the pet store and asked them, well, how much is that white cat? $600. Oh, how much is the black one? $6. I'll take the black one. (laughs) That was Harvey Wallbanger, big black cat who was cross-eyed. He was part Siamese and had crossed eyes. And sometimes he'd walk into the wall because he couldn't find the doorway. <laughs> so he was Harvey Wallbanger. <laughs> which, of course, is a, a drink with vodka and yeah. orange juice. I think it has grenadine. Yeah, I remember what they had. Oh. Well, anyway, yeah, Pinky was special. Right in the middle of all these visions, Pinky disappeared. For over a month and when he came back he was um, having a fight with another cat outside so I grabbed him and brought him in and I wasn't sure that it was Pinky so I took him to Phil and said is this Pinky <laughs> it, it was but we don't know where he'd been or what he'd done all that time wow do, do you think that was Pinky able to detect any divisions that that Phil is having? You know how, like they say, like sometimes cats have sort of like a an extra sense. He used to lie on top of Phil in bed, and he kept paying special attention to Phil's shoulder. And I forget the, the timeline; I don't remember the date, but. Phil had had an injury to that shoulder long before I met him. And one day, Phil started an argument over nothing. I don't even remember what. But he was shouting, and I was shouting, and he picked up this little sea snail shell and threw it across the room. 
And I was thinking, gee, I heard it hit the wall before I saw it hit the wall. Well, it wasn't the shell that I heard. It was his shoulder coming out of the socket. Wow. So, so Pinky knew that he had a bad shoulder. Yeah. And then eventually, Pinky died from cancer. The vet opened him up to remove a tumor and called us on the phone and said, uh, this is more than we can handle, and it would be kinder just to never let him wake up. So Bill and I talked it over and agreed Pinky would be better off. He'd be, the cat had been ill for some time, and Phil thought that Pinky had taken on his illness and saved Bill from cancer. I if kind of believe remember, that. Remember the, the Kennedy assassination? Um, the guy who shot Oswald. Oh, come on. I know his name. You know, Oswald was... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't remember the guy who shot him. And then what's his name shot Oswald? Jack Ruby. Right. When, while he was in prison, he told Dorothy Kilgallen, the reporter, that they were giving him cancer in the prison, trying to kill him. So Phil thought that whoever was after him was doing the same thing, but it hit our cat instead of him. Hmm. I don't know. Or it could have been the, the cat maybe. The cat could have absorbed cancer because, like, I remember, like, my mom had uh, breast cancer and we had given her a cat and she absolutely loved that cat. And, um, and then after my mom passed away, like, within months, the cat had cancer too. And the cat was only like two years old. And the cat oh, also wow. had breast cancer. Wow. So, that is strange. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether to put any stock in that story, but that's how Phil saw it. And he never knew who was after him or why. And, you know, my uh, theory is speculative, but I think it's pretty darn good, solid speculation with evidence to support it. Yeah. That he came to their attention because of Dr. Leary. And it was all because of an innocent phone call. Hmm. I didn't know that Dr. Leary, I mean, was that influential? I, mean, I think, like, didn't he... Um, I mean, after all that happened, he he was going around to different colleges and stuff speaking. In fact, he Are may you have, too young to remember. No, I I, I, I remember him because I remember him like t playing at like I used to go to, like these punk rock clubs in New Jersey, and he would speak oh, okay. at them. Okay, like, I never got to go anywhere, but um, he was mentioned on the news quite often as like public enemy number one yeah telling kids to take drugs yep he i think he even worked for the government for a while doing like the acid test yeah he and abby hoffman mm -hmm. yeah oh and then abby hoffman was demonized too in the press 
But um, I think maybe Leary's connection to John Lennon really, really ticked off the feds. You know. Do you think John Lennon was assassinated, like, like, was killed by the government or shut up? Like, it wasn't just a random thing? Enough evidence to strongly suspect that his killer was mind-controlled. But by whom, I can't say. Maybe there is an organization so deep into the shadows that even the CIA doesn't know about them. Probably. Yep. I wonder well, who... Somebody ransacked Phil's house. That also happened before I met him. But... I did talk to a woman who had, well, two women who had seen his house after the ransacking. The doorknobs were knocked off of the doors. A big sliding glass door was shattered. Someone set off explosives to open his file cabinet. And it wasn't even locked, which tells you that they weren't wasting any time trying to open things. They just bullied their way in. All his food in all the food in the kitchen, cupboards and refrigerator, was dumped out on the floor. I mean the packages opened and the food and the packages dumped. And valuables were left behind, like a Rolex watch and, and some cash. But they took his bank statements, his tax records, and the manuscripts for the novels he was working on. That's weird. Yeah. That's very weird. One, one novel survived because he was just paranoid enough to send a copy to his lawyer. His lawyer had the carbon copy. Which Another one was one, it? Uh, Blow My Tears, the policeman said. And then Deus Erie was a collaboration with uh, Roger Zelazny, and Roger Zelazny had the manuscript, so that one survived. But there was a third novel that would have been The Owl in Daylight, both copies gone. Hmm. He never tried just to rewrite them? Toward the end of his life, he was planning to, but it was quite different from what he had in mind in 1971. Uh, technology had advanced quite a bit since then, so he was uh, going to make it a computerized world. I guess something like The Matrix. Yeah. But the plot he suggested to his agent and to his editor, David Hartwell, who was at Doubleday at the time, that plot sounded too much like that movie Tron. Right. Tron was being made at the time, and I'm sure that Phil had seen either previews or ads for it. But Phil never actually wrote the plot that he pitched anyway. If you look at his letters to his editors and what he actually produced, there's very little... Uh, agreement between what he proposed and what he did. What was it he really wanted to do? Well, he claimed he wanted to write a thriller, something like uh, The Born Identity. You know, a, well, 
And since I, I finally saw one born identity movie, I've come to the conclusion that Lee Harvey Oswald was an identity, that several people were using that name. Mm -hmm. We don't know which one was arrested. Do you think there could have been okay. clones? No, they, the one in Mexico didn't even look like him. Guy in Mexico trying to get a visa to go to Cuba claimed to be Lee Harvey Oswald and bore no resemblance. Now they tell us, oh, there's no pictures of him and nobody remembers him. But at the time, you know, on open source news, on the television, it was... This guy doesn't look like Lee Harvey Oswald. Wonder who he really was. It's amazing how information can disappear because people don't remember. Anyway, um, when at the funeral, they opened the coffin and his mother looked inside and said, that is not my son. Now, you could assume that she was simply disowning him but I think she meant it literally. Hmm. And she would never talk about it again. That's all she ever said. That is not my son. So do you think that there's a connection between the Kennedy assassination, the Lenin assassination, some of the things that happened with Phil and, um, and Timothy Leary, all these things might be connected somehow? Well, Phil certainly thought so. And he had signed a petition in Ramparts magazine promising not to pay income taxes till we got out of Vietnam. I think maybe that was the biggest danger that John Lennon posed was not the drugs, but give peace a chance. His song that he recorded in that hotel room in... Uh, I think it was Montreal. Anyway, it was in Canada. Uh, he couldn't go home to England because he'd been convicted of possession of marijuana. If he went to back to England, he'd be imprisoned. That John Lennon would. Yeah. Hmm. But the anti-war stance was probably more dangerous to the elites than the drugs thing. Well, you know, Phil wrote about that in a story called The Defenders and then an expansion of that called The Penultimate Truth in which the people live underground and do everything they can for the war effort. And when a few of them finally go upstairs and out into the world above, they find that there is no war. There's just a bunch of rich people that they've been supporting while living underground and having a rough life. Yeah, there's there's a, there's no profit in peace, but there's definitely a lot of profit in war. It's horrible. It is horrible. Yeah, that's one good thing about Trump. He, he didn't start any new wars. No, he didn't do that. And he did start bringing troops home from Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. I feel really blessed to have been born here and not over there. 
even as bad as this country is getting, oh, at least it isn't Afghanistan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they'll kill young women for going to school. Yeah, that does suck. I, I don't know how people can live with yeah. themselves doing that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. Hmm. It is bad. Yep. Uh, you know, it end up that way very easily. We fall asleep. Don't fall asleep on the job. Wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> well, I definitely drink coffee. enough of that. <laughs> yeah, we have to stay yep. alert. And, and I think, um, you know, it, it's people like you that, that, that talk about all these different subjects and, you know, look at possibilities and things that might be controversial. You know, those are the things that I think help keep people awake and prevent us from falling into that trap that some of these other countries fall into. Well, I, I try, but uh, I'm a bit of a hermit. I was finally going to go ahead and make public appearances. I have gone to two small festivals in Fort Morgan, Colorado, where Phil's grave is located. But I was going to get serious about traveling and, you know, making speeches and sitting on panels. And then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Everything fell apart. Sort of, but now you have podcasts. Yeah, well, I, I had one on Blog Talk Radio. In a sense, it was nice. I could have people call in. I could have guests, but they got so many glitches. And and the station I was working for was paying for this service. And it was just horrible. Sometimes I couldn't do the show at all because I couldn't get into the website. Um, and then the, I wasn't paid to do it, mm -hmm. by the way. But I did get to promote my books. <laughs> it was all uh, sort of a cooperative effort. But we couldn't convince management to dump blog talk and get something better. And most of the time, the blog talk customer service was not available. Or you could reach them on the website, but you couldn't load the website. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the last straw was when they failed to, they changed the password and failed to tell me. So I'm trying to get in to do my show and I've got the wrong password. Mm -hmm. So that's it. I'm done. <laughs> that's why I don't even do the live stuff. It's easier for me just you to. Know, if they'd been paying me, I'd. Might might have gone on, but hey, I'm donating my time and effort, and you can't tell me the password to do oh. it. <laughs> it's respectful. Yeah. Yep. And they had done similar things to friends of mine, hmm. and, and they were no longer working there. 
So anyway, YouTube for now. Yep. Well, I know that you've you've been on Solaris's show, right? Solaris Blue Raven. Yeah, I was on her show Friday, and just a few weeks before that, I was on her show. Yeah, she's awesome. She's the one that gave me your information. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Now she's connected me with Preston Dennett, who wrote UFOs over California. Yeah, I'm very good friends with Preston. Yeah. Mm. Preston, Preston's on my show at least once a month. Ah. Well, I did message him on Facebook that I had witnessed this one UFO and sent a friend request and he accepted. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's investigated more UFO reports than anybody I've talked to. Wow. He, he's done yeah. a lot. He's done maybe tens of thousands of them. And he's a very good guy. Oh, that's important, too. Yeah. Like the missing 411 guy, David Polydes. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you know, I've heard some of his interviews. He's a really good researcher, but he's not a nice person. That's what I hear from people who have had contact with him. I've invited him on, but he's never agreed. So. Mm. But it is weird that so many people disappear, and they, the investigations are just superficial. Yeah, yeah. I think either these people are being put into some type of secret program, or they are being used to colonize another planet against their will. Well, who knows? But there was one disappearance up here in these mountains, and the, it was a young boy, and the official story was that a mountain lion took him. But he was with his family and a large group of people who were um, at, at a you know, very populated area. They have this trail, where a nature trail, Mm-hmm. And mountain lions usually stay away from large groups of people. I scared one off myself once, all by myself. Yeah. It was nighttime. I don't go out after dark anymore, at least not without a good flashlight. But <laughs> I avoided. I was in my own driveway and I heard this horrible growling. And this mountain lion was killing a raccoon. And I just yelled, hey, hey, hey. And the mountain lion ran away, left his dead raccoon behind. I bet the bruja wasn't too happy. Somebody's killing raccoons. Um, different house. <laughs> I moved. <laughs> I moved out 14 or 15 years ago. Yeah, they're timid. They're scared of people. Yeah. Yeah, m most wild animals are. Not those raccoons who got fed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I finally, finally got the access under my house sealed up while the skunk wasn't in there. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to trap her in there. 
Hmm. Well, I never fed her. <laughs> Where I live, people get in trouble for feeding me alligators. Oh, my God. Alligators? Mm-hmm. Feeding them? Yeah. And they still have their hands? Yeah, well, they just throw them a pot roast or whatever. Oh, no. No. Bad idea. <laughs> yeah, they frown but upon it. Unless it's your private mode and you want to keep out burglars. But they're pretty cool. No, we do feed the ducks. But not the skunks, not the raccoons, and definitely not the lions. How about geese? Do you have geese? Sometimes there's a goose, but what's really cool is when there's a storm out at sea on the Pacific, the pelicans come in and hang out in our lakes. Oh, yeah. We got tons of pelicans here. Mm. Yep. They're they all... don't usually come this far inland, but when there's a big storm, they do. Hmm. We're 70 miles east of Los Angeles. Are you anywhere near where the fires are? Not at the moment. Oh, that's good. We've had, I've been through two huge fires. The one in 03, I evacuated. Probably a good thing. Even though my the only damage my house had was where the rain came in through an open window. <laughs> I imagine the air wasn't much fun to breathe. Yeah. And then in 07, it wasn't really, it was up on the mountain, but not really here, so I stayed, even though they wanted us to evacuate. But it wasn't as big. But, yeah, we've had a lot of small ones recently, mostly caused by humans, either negligently or on purpose. Yeah. You guys need rain. Well, we got a little last week. I, we could use a little more. But, you know, we're lucky. Evil phone. We're lucky to get 10 inches in a year. That's a good year. Right. We get 10 inches in a week. <laughs> yep. I think Warm we're, waters of the Caribbean. We're the rainiest place in the country other than Seattle. <coughs> oh, yeah, but Seattle is, tends to be cold. Yeah. Although lately they've been having a heat wave. It has been unusually hot here in the mountains, but then it'll be followed by days when we actually get frost overnight. We even got snow in June. It didn't stick. It was like by the time it hit your shoulders, it melted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. That's cool. Mountain weather. Yeah. Variety. It really, California's on a cycle. My grandparents said it was seven years, seven years of drought followed by seven years of flooding. But lately it seemed seems more like nine years so it's getting longer and we never know what to expect in august august and early september can have any kind of weather hmm. 
one day you'll be kicking up the heater and the next day you'll be dying of the heat. <laughs> that's, that's how it was when I lived in New Jersey. You, certain times of the year, like during the fall and the spring, you just didn't know. Yep. Well, I'm going to wrap. I prefer the spring along around March. I like the heat. That's why I like Alabama. No. I moved up here to get away from the heat. <laughs> when it's cold, I can put on a jacket. <laughs> when it's too hot, oh, you know, you might have air conditioning, but you have to get out of the house or the car eventually. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't bother me, the heat. Oh, it's always bothered me. Yeah, I don't like the cold. Especially when it's humid. <laughs> it's always humid in Alabama. <laughs> yep. Well, today it's humid, but usually it isn't up here. <clears throat> I'm a little over 4,000 feet, so we are not a ski resort, but we uh -huh. do get snow. Dang, i got to clear my throat. <clears> throat> smoking too much yeah how much is too much oh i don't know <laughs> until it anyway. makes you sick <laughs> well thank you for well, being thank you for being on today and talking with me thank you for asking um before I get to be a hermit and reach out yeah you're welcome on any time i'll have you back well, again thank you Maybe I'll get you and Preston on at the same time. Well, that would be something. I could do that. Oh, I think it's a little warmer than 85 now. Cause... <laughs> well, I don't sweat, but I'm sweating. No, it says 85. Hmm. Oh, well, my phone is wrong. And the thermometer's outside. Yeah, it's always it's different than what the phone says. I guess. So where can my listeners find you? Well, I do go live on YouTube from time to time, and the channel name is just my name. I'm on Facebook. Um, that, that's the two major things. I, um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't do anything. Once in a while, I share a cat video. <laughs> yeah but oh and my books are on amazon hmm. i'm not sure how many there are i think eight something like that so what i'll do is i'll post a link to your books on amazon and i'll post a link to your facebook page in the notes of this episode so my listeners can uh find you and ask you questions and buy your books. Okay. And uh, YouTube. And YouTube. My channel is not monetized. That gives me more freedom than someone who's trying to make money off the ads. Mm -hmm. But now YouTube has decided that even if you aren't monetized, they can still run their ads. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't use it. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, well, it's free and it 
the only thing is uh, they do tend to decide that that um, they cut my connection. And it could be Verizon, but I think it's YouTube because it happens when I mention the election or the virus. Hmm. It, I'll suddenly get this message. <clears throat> Your internet connection is unstable. Please wait while we try to reconnect. And it can go on and on and on. It'll start off doing that just briefly, maybe 10 seconds. And eventually it won't come back at all. Hmm. Well, if I start my own TV station, I'll give you a slot. Oh, that'd be cool. Something I'm kind of, it's sort of a pet project of mine. And it won't be censored. Okay. I don't tend to cuss very much, but I do like to discuss the fact that we don't even know who's in charge, but we have to obey or terrible things will happen. Mm-hmm. It certainly isn't Biden. No. No, it's probably not any world leader. No one that we, we've seen, that's my best guess. I agree. Might not even be human. Might not. But that doesn't, to my mind, that doesn't necessarily mean they live on Alpha Centauri. They no. They live right here. They could. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, to give up. <clears throat> For years now, listening to Coast to Coast, they honestly had a psychic medium who channels aliens from the Pleiades who want us to save the world from global warming. Oh, yeah, I've had tons of people like that on my show. <laughs> and it's like, that was one of their best interviews. Mm -hmm. Lately, they've been having just stuff that's been debunked. So coast to coast, coast to coast isn't what it used to be. It's also censored. I've had quite a few of my own guests that are on my show now that, that won't do yeah. coast to coast anymore because they've been edited out or censored or even asked just not to come back. Oh, well, I did it once, but the host was Jimmy Church. Mm -hmm. I know Jimmy. Yeah, he no longer works for them. No, he works for Certainly uh, after my interview. He works for KGR equipped he works for KGRA radio now. Yeah, he has his own show. Yeah. I used to be on KGRA also, but then they uh let me go. Oh that's horrible. <laughs> I don't well, know. Well anyway <clears throat> No they've been having this disclosure crap. Mm-hmm. Now the government can't disclose what they don't know. And they won't disclose what they do know. So you can forget about disclosure. I agree. It ain't going to happen, and if it does, it'll be all lies. Mm -hmm. well, that's one of the conversations I had recently with Preston, you know, about that we can't rely on the government for disclosure. It's going to have to be up to people to find out the truth for themselves through independent investigation. Yeah. And the guests on coast I used to enjoy are all gone. Well, once in a while, they do have the numbers lady. 
Mm -hmm. Glennis McCants. I liked her. But mostly, no, it's all this. We're going to find out what really, you know, the real truth about UFOs. The government's going to tell us. We'll make them tell us. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think it's just more disinformation. No kidding. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, Good idea. Hang on for it's one second. time to recycle some coffee and make some more. Yeah, I have to go to the bathroom, too. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. Recycle the coffee. <laughs> All right, hang okay, on. Okay, we'll do this another time. You got it. Hang on, for one, hang on for one second. I just have to play the outro. Okay. Thank you.